On the show, we're going to talk with a good friend and uh, PGA Tour caddy Paul Tesori about the President's Cup and Webb Simpson's schedule for the rest of this year and next. Then we'll talk with author Steve Yellen of Simplicity about how to get into that zone and play that way that we would always like to play to our potential. And then finally, we'll talk with uh, famed golf instructor David Ledbetter about the golf swing and our most common mistakes. And speaking of David Ledbetter, he is on the phone with us. Good morning, David, and welcome to the Back Nine Boys podcast. Good morning, Rich. How are you? I am great, and I hope you are. Um, you know, one of the things that I've always wondered, you've taught for many years. You've worked with many great golfers who've won a lot of titles. What are some of our, as amateurs, most common mistakes that you've seen over the years? Well, uh, how long is the show, Rich? <laughs> They're the same, aren't they, over the years? It's just over and over? Yeah. You know, it, it's interesting, Rich. I think uh, the most common thing you see with, with amateurs is really the way they start their swing. Uh, and if you look at if you look at all the pros, it's very interesting now how, and I call it the modern waggle, how many of them actually sort of almost preempt their move in their backswing, hmm. and they have this little start. You know, you look at Justin Thomas, you look at Patrick Reed, you look at Shoffley, uh, Shoffley, uh, you look at uh, Sam Burns. They all have this little mini sort of quarter backswing, if you will, to get the feeling of the start of the swing. And I think this is where most amateurs go wrong because what they do is they, first of all, they probably have a faulty grip where they have it too much in the palm. So that's the first thing I'd check, get the grip more in the fingers. And then secondly, you see what happens with golfers is they just, they take the club away with their hands and arms. And so, you know, if you look at the pros, they're actually there, almost their belly button is moving to get the club moving in motion. And the first, the first, couple of feet is what's really important where the hands move in and the club head stays out what you see um what you see continually with the amateurs is that you know, they whip the club in behind them and then from there on that's where the problems really start right. it's, uh, it really is interesting hey if you get a good start to the swing you know you've got a chance of having a, a good finish so it's it's you know the golf swing is a chain reaction so it's really important to get off to a good start so that little movement that one piece that takeaway, getting that takeaway right. Uh, you can put a golf ball behind the ball you're trying to hit, push the golf ball away. In fact, I've got a new little training aid coming up for this very, for this very reason. Because to me, it's it, it's singularly the biggest fault in golf. For, hmm. for and this this applies actually even to tour players. Honestly, Rich, that that's why they actually work on this first move to get that synchronization between the arms and the body correct early on. So. Get that one-piece movement there. You only have to move the butt of the club about a foot, almost to your right leg. But the hat, remember this, hands in, club head out. That's the key. And if you look at it in a mirror, you can really get that, get that start correct. Well, David, if somebody's been playing for 15, 20 years, they've had a few lessons, they haven't had a lesson maybe over the last couple of years, um, is it easy for you to work with somebody like that to get that start of the swing, that takeaway, and have them improve on that? Oh, absolutely, because it's, it's the area of the swing that you can actually think about a little bit. You, you know, you think about it, how many things there are or could go wrong in a golf swing. And, you know, once the club's gone beyond sort of eyesight, where you, you've, your peripheral vision you, you probably has gone back about three feet, say, 
you don't know what's going on. You don't know whether it's on the right plane, right. you don't know right. where it is exactly at the top. Yeah, you can use video, you can use all the technology we've got, but the problem is, you know, there's the old saying, the difference between feel and real. So you can work on that start, and that start to me is, say, if I have a, if I have a golfer and I, they wanted some help there, and I have an hour with them, say, the thing I'd work on is getting their grip and their posture right, so very basic stuff, and then getting that first movement correct. If you get that first movement correct, you have a chance, as I say, because the golf swings are uh, sort of a sequence motion, uh, chain reaction, and you're only as good yeah. as the previous link in the chain. So get that start right. And say your arms want to be relaxed. It's almost as if the body is moving the club. I've always used to say it's like the dog wags the tail. You've got to get your get that belly button moving, get the butt of the club moving, and feel like, they say, the hands move in slightly, the club head stays out slightly, and then you get off to a good start. To me, it's the only common denominator that all hmm. the tour players have in common is the start. And and you, you look, they all do it. They all have different looking swings and other areas of the swing, but that start is virtually the same in all cases. Yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying because I sometimes feel like I'm starting out right and then it always ends up wrong. Yeah, exactly. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's one of those things that, to say, I... I love the feeling of, say, if you put a head cover under your left arm, just move the butt of the club maybe about a foot. The club head moves about three feet. But, say, if you look down, the hands look in, the club head looks out. Yeah. And that's, that's the ratio or the relationship between the club and the hands that you need to have. All right. You've worked with some unbelievable golfers. You've written books. You've developed training aids, including the new one that you're coming out with. What is still on David Ledbetter's bucket list to do? You know, I'm getting involved in uh, uh, <clears throat> building a golf course down here in the Sarasota area of Florida. I'm doing it with my good friend Nick Price, and we're going to. Uh, I'm, I'm really bound and determined to have the world's best practice facility. So it's going to be a great golf course. There's a housing development with it. It's called Mayaka Village, and uh, it, you know it's a couple of years away still. So I'm, I'm putting a lot of energy and effort into that. And you know, we've got our, uh, which is exciting. Uh, we've got our junior academy full-time junior academy uh up at reunion uh we just moved there from champions gate we were there for many years and just moved sort of just literally over the road to reunion we've got three great golf courses a nicholas de palmer and a watson course and we've got 28 full-time junior kids there including the, the, the young man that we brought in from the ukraine so uh so you know, I've still got lots to do. I've, I've slowed down a little bit there. I've had a bit of a foot injury the last year or so, so I haven't been out on tour as much. But uh, I still enjoy it working with you know some of the a couple of the top players and and the kids. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm finishing off another book, so I, you know, I, I keep my hand in there, Rich, for sure. Yeah, I'm sure you do. Um, how hard is it, David, when you work with these kids, the Ledbetter kids, the juniors? How hard is it to teach a kid who is three years old? How, how how old? Three. Three. Uh, you know, it, it's uh, look, the most important thing at that sort of age really is to let them have fun there, Rich, and uh, you know, right. get them to get them to whack it. I mean, the thing is, it's uh, I think you can, you know, you get to a point where maybe you can get too much instruction for some kids and they lose interest. So you, you, the big thing is, you know, this year at a very young age, hey, you keep it. Um, you know, keep it simple, keep it fun. Let them get yeah. on the golf cart, drive the golf cart, let them play in the bunkers. I mean, you know, it's uh, it's, it's one of those things that you've got to get them to learn to love and have have a little passion to to play. 
as they get older. I mean, obviously, as they get older, then you can get them into a little bit more of instruction, and if they really enjoy it, you know, get them into a competition because that's that's yeah. key. And we're, yeah. we're seeing, I mean, this quality of play amongst young players now is amazing, and yeah. uh, they're better taught, they've got better equipment, and. Uh, you know, I know uh, at our facility, say, our, our, the average age probably goes between between 12 and 17, probably. Okay. Uh, and, you know, we, we, we focus on some of the young kids. We have a Lead Better Kids program, which is really from about four to eight. And uh, so that's a little bit more working on athleticism and not only just purely golf, because, you know, if you look at the players today, I mean, they're really good athletes, never mind good players. And so they could probably play any sport. So it's developing the athleticism in the kid at a young age. And so I'm still a fan of kids playing different sports because if they improve their hand-eye coordination, their athleticism. Right. And, uh, you know, team sports is not the worst thing in the world at a young age either. I got that. Um, I know a lot of my friends who are still playing golf play too much in the sand. They can't get out. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right, with all the golfers that you've worked with, does does one stand out from all the others, David? Uh, you know, I mean, over the years, look, I've, I've been very fortunate to work with some of the world's top players. I mean, it's been, I mean, they're all, listen, they're, they're all different, I have to say. They're all very focused. They're all very organized in their own way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would, I would say to the young players, look, it, the key is finding your own formula, your own recipe for success. And once you've found it, pretty much stick to it. I mean, yes, you can tweak it, you can add to it, you can subtract from it, but try to keep that recipe, that formula. Don't keep choppy and changing, going from coach to coach and trying to find this and trying to find that because the problem is you spin your wheels when you do that and time goes by. So the important thing is to, hey, get, especially if a young, potentially good player, you know, get with a coach, really you know, get the fundamentals down, and so, and I suppose you'd have to look at, you know, maybe over the years, maybe it's the Nick Faldo, you know, who obviously I helped uh, coach for a number, uh, about 14 years, um, and he won six majors during that time. And but the thing is, he was sort of the, the start of the modern era, if you will, in coaching. Uh, you know, our relationship, whereby, you know, he really worked at it. Uh, I mean, back in the day, yes, they had coaches and teachers. I mean, Jack Nicklaus had a, had a coach. Bobby Jones had a coach, but it right. wasn't well publicized. And today, I mean, there's very few players out there that don't have a coach. I mean, you might get the odd Bubba Watson who does it himself, but for the most part, you know, players have got a bit of an entourage now, whether it be a swing yeah. coach, a mental yeah. coach, a wedge coach, a putting coach. Uh, yeah. You know, there's so much money in the game as we know that hey, having that slight edge is really, really important. So you're seeing players now when they come out on tour, I mean, they're better equipped. They're 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 ready. You see some of these young college players that just come out, or they get on the Corn Ferry tour. And they just uh, you know they and then they go to the regular tour and they're, yeah. and they're ready to play. So much um, in the old days, it was like, hey, you get into your thirties, and nowadays, man, it's in their early twenties. These kids are really starting to show what they're capable of. Yeah, well, at the David Ledbetter Golf University, you break it into juniors, technical, physical, and mental. What is the hardest to teach someone? Probably the mental more than anything else. Okay. Uh, I heard you've got Stephen Yellen coming on the show later. He's a great guy. He's done a lot of work with us. At yeah, our you Academy. did a foreword for him in a book, too. Yeah, it's really, it's really getting to the point. I think, you know, I mean, technique is easy to, when I say easy, you know, I mean, it's a, it's, uh, there's a process there, but getting getting the mental side of it. You know, this game is so tough mentally. You're out on yeah. your own there for yeah. five, six hours at times. 
and um, it's it, it, it's the battle with yourself that you have to win and understand how the emotions that you go through and you know, the old the old saying you know really good players have very short memories you know they right. uh, they accept adversity and they have short short memories so that's the, that's probably the hardest thing to teach the kids because hey they want it perfect every time and uh, you know golf as Dr. Bob Rotella said golf is not a game of perfect yeah that's for darn sure um so this putting aid that you're coming out with, or this training aid that you're coming out with, when will that be available, and where can people see it? Well, it, uh, yeah, we're going to make a big push on this because I honestly feel it could be a game changer. I mean, even if I've brought out a few training aids over the years, I've been known for developing drills and training aids. But this one, I think, you just clip it on the bottom of your grip there, and it's like it, it gives you the exact position that you that you need to get the club in to start the swing to get the to get that all-important takeaway right. So probably towards the end of the year, early next year, it's called the straightaway. So if you remember that pro- the name, the straightaway, because uh, uh, you get the idea straightaway. <laughs> so Got it. Hope so. So you'll have that at the PGA show, huh? We, we may well do, yeah. All so right. I'm excited about it because I say, uh, to me, it's going to help a lot of people. And to me, it, you know, the, 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 the hard thing in golf there, Rich, is, the tough thing in, in coaching and teaching is getting the message across to a point where somebody can, they yes, they can understand it conceptually, and they can even get a picture of it. But you know, right. the biggest thing is getting a, a feel for something, because that's the thing you have to play when you're out on the course. You can't right. have your head full of thoughts. Yeah, that's true. You have, a, you have to have a feel for what you're doing. And this is what this new little uh, toy, we call it the gizmo, the little gizmo, is, is going to really uh, help to achieve. It's going to give somebody the concept. It's going to give them the picture, but it's going to give them the the all important feel, and that, so they can go out and play and not have to overthink. That's and that's key. I mean, you've got to get yeah. your head into the target, you know, and uh, think about hey, where you want the ball to go. You can't be concerning yourself with every little position in the swing. But to me, if you get that, you get that. You get as I said earlier, you get that start right, it makes everything that much easier. Yeah, well, we'll definitely try and do that. I'll be looking forward to that, David. As always, thank you for being with us. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Pleasure, Rich. Thank you so much. All right. David Ledbetter, David Ledbetter Academy. Uh, he's got something coming out that I think uh, all golfers should want to at least take a look at. And up next is going to be author Steve Yellen of a book called Simplicity. I wish the game was as simple as it could be, but we'll talk to him about that. But I want to talk to you about Mizuno and their irons, their new 923 and 925s. They will improve your game. Uh, check out their new stand bags as well. But you got to check out the irons because they will help you reach beyond. And you could look at the drivers, the fairway metals, and the hybrids, and they will help you to your game improvement. Try all the new models of Mizuno putters as well. Check out MizunoGolf.com. That's MizunoGolf.com. Reach beyond. Hi, I'm Jack Nicholas II of Nicholas Companies, and you're listening to the Back Nine Boys Golf Show. And welcome back. I'm Rich Stiles. Our next guest is an author of many books, one of which I am rereading called Simplicity, the Fluid Motion Factor Golf Program by Steve Yellen. And Steve is with us on the phone. Good morning, Steve. How are you? Hey, good morning. How are you? I'm good. Thanks. You know, you wrote Simplicity years ago. I am now rereading it. How does the program, because it's on the cover, permanently change your game? <laughs> you know, no one's ever asked me that question. <laughs> okay. I love it. It permanently, it permanently changes your game in two ways. One, 
it gives you a thorough and complete understanding of exactly what you have to do in order to play your best golf on any given day. And second, it gives you a simplest and systematic way to do it. Okay. And each week you are trying to help people with each book improve their game. And you've said that our us golfers, you know, including me, weekend golfers, part-time golfers, pros, we have that eternal search, as you say, for an elusive goal. Can you explain that? Well, you know, if you play golf long enough, you've had those shots, those holes, those rounds, where you're thinking, gee, if I can only do that more consistently, I'm going to be a very happy golfer. Yeah. And you hit those shots, and you don't know really what happened. You don't really know why you hit those shots. You don't know the dynamics that you set up, very subtle dynamics, that allowed you to access your best swings. And as it turns out, when anyone produces a fluid motion, not only in golf but in any sport, they have accessed the exact subtle processes in the mind that allows the body to be free. So... When someone does play really well, they're thinking, where did I get my club? Or they hit a great shot. Where did I get my club? Where is my body? Where is my wrist? What was my angle of attack? What was going on? From a mechanical level, well, obviously something really happened well mechanically. Right. Uh, there's a very specific reason why it happened well on one shot and why it did not happen well on another shot. And unless you have that understanding you will be searching for the rest of your golfing career <laughs> to set up that subtle process that allowed yeah. you to access your money in the bank. Well, in the book and in my program, when someone goes through it, especially in person, there is no doubt in their mind as to what they have to do in order to play their best golf. Absolutely no doubt. That doesn't mean that they're going to strike every ball and hit every ball perfectly but when right. they get to the course they know exactly the subtle conditions that they need to access in order to have that really magical perfect fluid swing All and right. then they stop searching alright so how do we access our best swing when we need it or when we want to you keep doing less and less instead of doing more and more in a nutshell that's what you do so less and less thinking about it and just executing? Exactly, okay. So okay. The, golf is about motion. Um, motion is about the muscles. Where's the operating system of the muscle? Well, it's in the brain physiology. So, Rich, when you hit your best shot, something must have happened in your brain that allowed the body to be free. Right. And the program um, explains and gives you a simple program to actually allow you to, to set up those subtle conditions. Well, every time I reread your book, Simplicity, I said, yeah, that's exactly what I need to do. And then right. you get up over the ball and you have doubts. You say, all right, don't take it so much inside. Don't do this. Don't do that. So I need to, as you, as you say, quiet mind. I need to get those thoughts out of my head, which I'm sure all golfers go through at various stages of their of their career or whenever they're playing, but we got to get those voices out and just focus on what we need to do, which is get that ball from one point to another. 
You know, this program is so revolutionary, Rich. It goes against the grain. It goes against how you were taught. It goes against how golf has been commented on. And it goes against how golf has been written and taught. But it's, it's, it's what is known as disruptive technology. It says, hey, look, you think you understand what's going on here? You really don't. This is what has to happen. And in many ways, it's 180 degrees from what you were taught. Focus on this, do that, concentrate, be more determined. No, you right. have to go the other way. Right. The brain physiology has to experience, has to exist in a certain environment for you to sink a swing, to have good timing, to have a good angle of attack, to, to square the face at impact, to have good positions. And that environment can be summarized in one word, wholeness. Brain physiology was created and designed to create fluid motion when it experiences wholeness. Wholeness is the, is the togetherness of all the parts. And if one, if one thought or one desire or one action is dominating right before you pull that trigger, do this, don't do that, then you know what? You're at the blackjack table at the Bellagio and you don't really know what card you're going to get. Right, right. And you, and, and you don't know how to play it. Should I stay? Should I take a hit? You don't know. Right. This is why... Um, just about all golfers, including those on the PGA Tour, live in a state of doubt. And this is why they change swing thoughts, this, every week. They're just, you know, it's like pin the tail on the donkey. What's going to work this week? What's going to yeah. work this round? Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't, have to, it doesn't have to be like that. It actually doesn't have to be like that at all. All right. In the book, you talk about the Holy Grail. Is the Holy Grail the point that we all want to be during our round of golf? You bet. What's the holy <clears throat> grail? Well, you know what? When you play your best golf, how simple did it feel? Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It feels so simple, Rich, that you're asking yourself, why did I ever think that golf was difficult? We make it hard. Yeah. And then you make one bad swing. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you're going back to the swing. Well, what did I do on that? And then you're digging yourself a black hole, oh, yeah, yeah. and then it's all over. All right, so how do we get out of that black hole once we have a couple of bad holes or a couple of bad swings? Well, I give, I give in, in my book, in my video, in person, I give people instruction on how to reset the clock because okay. that's what you want to do. You right. want to reset the clock on the next shot. And the way... The reason why you missed a shot in the first place is you broke wholeness. Something was overshadowing something else, either before you pulled the trigger or during the swing. And if it's during the swing, it's usually in the transition, the point of drama. So you want to be able to have a, a technique, a routine, so you can reset the clock. And I give someone that. I give someone exactly what they have to do. First right. of all, I get I give them a checklist, a three point checklist. Okay. So they understand why they missed the shot. And there's always one of these three reasons why you missed the shot. And if you go to the swing, because muscle memory doesn't break down, one of the foundations of the program is once you groove a motion, that motion does not break down. What breaks down is your ability to access it. So you want to understand on a more fundamental level, obviously something happened in the swing. And that's why you missed the shot. 
But that's not where you want to go. It's not what happened. It's why it happened. Okay, so once you answer why and you go through your checklist, can you give us the three things that happen? Yes, yes, sure. So the first thing you ask is, was your algorithm set? The algorithm is what you wanted to do with the shot. You want to hit it this way, with this club, in this shape, in this trajectory. You're taking into consideration the lie, the wind, all of these factors, and immediately you create an algorithm which contains all the elements of the shot. Now, if the algorithm is wishy-washy, remember, you haven't taken one step into the ball. Right. If the algorithm is wishy-washy, you don't, you're not really sure what you want to do, then it's impossible to experience a threshold level of wholeness before you pull the trigger. So you're underwater even before you take a step right. in. Okay. That's, that's the main reason. The second is you ask yourself, these are the three, uh, three questions, you ask yourself, was there a threshold level of wholeness before you pull the trigger? Well, not really. My miss is left, and I kept telling myself, don't hit it left. My miss is right, and I kept telling myself, make sure you hit it left. <laughs> okay? Yeah. I need to get my hands in a certain position at the top of the club. So yeah. that started uh, yeah. dominating. Yeah. The wholeness is broken. But let's say, let's just say, the algorithm was set. There was a threshold level of wholeness before you pull the trigger. You still miss the shot. Then you ask yourself the $64,000 question. What broke wholeness during the shot? Something broke it. Yeah. Because if it didn't, then you would have hit maybe not a career shot, but an acceptable shot. Sure. And the, the majority of times, what breaks wholeness during the swing is target. Hmm. The target. Now, everyone thinks, the target's your friend. You want to get attached to the target. You want to put all your attention on the target. You want to be the target. Well, let me ask you these two questions. You ready? Okay. Is the target moving? No. Are you going to forget where the target is? Uh, hopefully not. Why are you making it the star of the show? Ah, good point. Because I want to get to it. Yeah, well, guess what? That is taking a DNA goal and making it a surface goal, and then you're asking for trouble. Ah, okay, okay. Yeah, I, I, you know, there's, there's just so many people that say, you know, on the practice range I was hitting so good, and then when I get out on the golf course, my swing gets so bad. Is that because maybe they're focusing too hard on that target? They're clueless what they have to do. Right. They, they are clueless. I mean, I'm using strong words here because... It's Saturday, and I'm a little emotional. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to go hit golf balls as soon as I hang up. Yeah, okay. I am too. Now that you've ta- now that you've they said that to me, here's the thing, Rich. They okay. don't know what they have to do. Yeah. Okay? okay. So because they don't know what they have to do, they try to do different things. Right. Focus on the target. Focus on my swing. Focus on my tempo. Focus on my positions. All of this. This is just. You know, when someone goes through my program, it is a detox rehabilitation program, hmm. anyway. Hmm. A detox. You have to be detoxed. Oh, yeah, from all the other stuff. Yeah. Because if an instructor, a coach, a commentator, a radio host cannot answer this question, they will always be eternally searching. And the question is very simple. Okay. How is fluid motion produced, and why does it break down? Do you think anyone on TV right now, Jim Nance, Bob Cox, whoever, Jack Nicholas, doesn't matter. 
John Rahm, doesn't matter. Rory, do you think they can answer that question? No, they can't answer No, that you're right. You're right. And, and that question is very simply answered. And uh, it's a neurophysiological phenomenon. Okay. And, all right. Yeah. I'm, I've read the book. I'm rereading. I'm trying to get all these negative thoughts out of my head. You talk about in person. You talk about the book. So if I read the book, I'm going to get to a certain point. Will the book definitely will help me for sure? But do you do better working with you on a personal oh. basis? Oh. Is it night and day? Night and day. Okay. Night okay. and day. All right. Okay. So how does somebody work with you and give us your website so they could do that and I'll be there tomorrow morning. <laughs> where, where do you live? Where do you live? Uh, St. Simon, Sea Island. Oh, you need, well, you, if you really serious, do you play competitive golf? Are you playing tournaments? No, nah, I don't. I just, I just play a couple times a week. Okay. But your goal in life is to reach your potential, obviously. Oh, heck yes. Oh, okay, good. That's good. So, um, my website is fluidmotiongolf.com. Okay. One word. Fluidmotiongolf.com. If 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 you if someone is wise enough to come down and see me, it'll change their life. It will change their golfing life forever. And where are you? I'm in Vero Beach, Florida. You fly into uh, either Orlando, Melbourne is the best, but it's smaller airport or Palm Beach PBI. Gotcha. Okay. All right, Steve, you may be seeing me. I uh, may get back in touch with you. Uh, I always appreciate having you on the show, and thank you very much for doing that. And I'm rereading, and I uh, may be talking to you soon. Rich, it be my pleasure to teach you this marvelous program. All right. You have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Okay. Steve Yellen with the book Simplicity. The book will change your game. It'll change your thought pattern, which obviously is a big thing that we all go through as far as are we playing to our potential? Are we playing, can we even hit this shot? Well, those are the thoughts you got to get out of your head. But anyway, that's Steve Yellen. Simplicity is the book. Fluidmotiongolf.com is the site. And uh, we're going to be back with uh, Paul Tesori, Webb Simpson's caddy. But first, I want to be back to get you into the development of a deep dish pizza. How oh, is that for a segue? Deep dish pizza is what they specialize in at CJ's Italian Restaurant. I almost said PJ's Italian Restaurant. <laughs> CJ'sItalianRestaurant.com. Uh, they've just got great deep dish, thin crust, cauliflower crust. Everything is made fresh daily. The guys are in there right now doing that, getting ready for you. They open every day at 4.30. You can order online. You can order on the phone. And if you order on the phone and you don't want to go get it, DoorDash will bring it to you. Just check out everything. Their full menu, which is more than just pizzas, great food, CJ's Italian Restaurant. Hi, this is Tim Clark, president of Wilson Golf, and you are listening to the Back Nine Boys Golf Show. And welcome back. I'm Rich Stiles. Paul Tesori has worked with Vijay Singh, Jerry Kelly, Sean O'Hare, and for the past several years, a great team with he and Webb Simpson. And we've got Paul with us on the phone. Good morning, Paul. How you doing? Good morning, Rich. Thanks for having me on. I always look forward to our Saturday morning chat. I do as well, and you are one of my favorite people to have on the show because you'll answer every question, and I love it. I'm ready. I'm ready. Go. I'm ready for whatever you got for me. All right. How come, I'm going to get you with this one, how come when you 
started out on the tour, you only hit 263 yards with your driver. <laughs> lack of talent, lack of talent, and lack of technology. Both, uh, what would that be? LOTs, both of them. Yeah. So right. uh, I'll save the other initial for those of you at home. But uh, yes, it's uh, lack of talent. Oh, you're funny. How far do you hit it now? Do you hit it farther? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm farther now, um, but not by much. I probably I probably carried about 270 in the air now. So that's uh, that's about all I'm at right now, and probably won't get a whole lot more. Mm. And how did you do in your recent tournament? Uh, we finished second. Yeah, we played well. It was a four. Uh, it was a four ball, and uh, we gave it a good go. We got beat by a team that got hot on us, but uh, it was fun. I still love competing. I love working on my game and always trying to get a little bit better. And what's your handicap now? I'm a plus five currently, so I'm, I'm playing okay. Ooh, you certainly are. Um, any chances <laughs> uh, we can get together during RSM for a quick lesson? Buddy, anything for you. I'll be ready. As long as you don't hit my man in the head with a flagpole, we're going to be good to go. You always have to bring that up. You always have to bring that up. Of course, it's also a story okay. that I tell everybody when I'm on 5 Seaside. This is the hole that I hit Webb Simpson in the head with. <laughs> That's amazing. All right, let's talk about President's Cup. How was it? Yeah, I mean, it was an incredible week. Um, you know, with so much going on in the world of golf, it was one of those weeks, I think, that I was a little unsure how it was going to feel and, you know, what it was going to look like. And, I mean, first of all, the build-out was one of the most impressive things I've ever seen. Mm. I just went back uh, two days ago um, and worked with Webb. And, you know, it was amazing still all the work that's being done to tear it down. They have their member guests there this week. And it's just oh, wow. a, a madhouse still with crews trying to get, you know, facilities down and all that. They had to hire a team with metal detectors because they were – damaging their mowers and everything else with all the nails and screws and mm. stuff like that so to sweep the grounds but an electrifying week you know i really think almost all the credit should go to the international team with how well they played yeah they really that's did. what made it so special you know through a day and a half or two days i think everybody was kind of like oh no like this is not what we needed to see now i know the u.s team wanted to see it but i think you know the rest of us needed to see a very close competition i mean the the event was definitely in doubt still with a you know a few singles matches left on the golf course and you know I talked a little bit with you know Scotty Scheffler and Sam Burns and people don't realize that you know those two they shot ten under par best ball at Quail Hollow and got a tie mm-hmm. and was eight under through seventeen the next day and got beat two and one so they were eighteen under through thirty five around Quail Hollow of all places with the greens running everyone says the fastest greens they've ever putted on oh wow. And 1,800 through 35, and they went 0-1-1, which just shows you, I mean, the level of golf throughout the world, but especially still in the international teams, really strong. Yeah, it was strong. And I'll tell you, one of the strongest teams that I saw was uh, Spieth and Thomas. I mean, those guys connected. Those guys played well together. They know each other. I mean, it was just, it, it was very impressive. It was. Here's the hard part. And, you know, obviously, Jordan going 5-0 and and Justin going 4-1. and what people don't realize, though, is you know if Scheffler and Burns would have played them in those two four balls, they would have beat them both times. So sometimes records can be yep. not slightly misleading. And the fact of Jordan and Justin's five and zero and four and one—that's not misleading. What's misleading is Scotty and Sam's week. Um, you know that you know they would have beaten Jordan and Justin both days pretty handily. But yet, because of the way match play works, sometimes you can play incredible elite golf and not get the win. So I think the. The best thing the American team has going for is you have teams that are going to be together for years, Scotty and Sam being best friends. 
Jordan and Justin being very close friends. Um, you got uh, Patrick and Xander, very close friends. And so, like, those are three teams. That's six in, in Ryder Cups. You know, you're only put, putting eight guys out of session. Boy, you've already got three made teams that spend a ton of time together ready to rock and roll. So um, it's going to be a really good, you know, stretch of probably 10 to 12 years for American team golf. Yeah, you bet. And speaking of the Ryder Cup, uh, you've, as we just said, you've got six te- or three teams right there, six guys. How much different do you think the Ryder Cup team is going to be uh, from the President's Cup team? Yeah, I mean, I think you're going to see a very similar, you know, kind of cast. Um, I would think your top eight guys will probably be on that next team as well. Okay. Uh, a chance to maybe be your top even ten guys being on that team with, you know, two or three spots to fight for the – the talent at young age on our tour is so deep yeah. that you never know who the next Cameron Young is, the next Will Zalatoris is, the next Colin Morikawa. Like they're all so young. Or nowadays, I mean Tom Kim. Um, you know they, you, you never know when the next twenty to twenty-two year old is going to come out. And you know this is Tiger's generation that we're seeing. They come out believing right away that they're supposed to win, not that they can win. Right. They believe that they're supposed to win. And you know before Tiger. You had to like earn your stripes. You know, if you won once your rookie year, that was a monster year. Yeah. Where now these guys are coming out and they're expecting to have a chance to win right away. And obviously, what Tom Kim has done and what some of these other great young players have done, Victor Hovland uh, and uh, you know Matt Wolf and Colin Morikawa winning right away as well. So it's it's just going to keep happening. Yep. All right. Let's talk about keep happening. How is Webb's health today? I know you guys have been working. You said he had to change his swing a little bit last time we talked due to his neck injury. Uh, how is that going right now? And is he ready for the rest of this year and for next? We definitely are. Um, we're playing next week in South Carolina for the CJ Cup. So really excited to kind of get back at it. Only played once, I think, in about the last eight weeks, if that's right. But um, he's really hungry. He feels fit. Uh, physically, he feels strong. Um, so all those, you know, kind of boxes are checked. Um, we uh, we saw a different teacher. We got Cameron McCormick to come in and, and take mm. a really good look at. Uh, let, hey, let's maybe fire the story here a little bit and let's get a little deeper look. And it was an incredible day. That was just two days ago at Quail, and just trying to go back to Webb's old DNA. Just trying to get his arm playing flatter, kind of make it a little easier for him to hit kind of shallow draws. Webb sees the ball go right to left, and no matter what he does, uh, we've just been too steep as he gained so much distance. Unfortunately, there was a little bit of that chase. He got the distance, um, but a little bit of that chase that kind of changed the dynamics of the golf swing, and it worked really well. He shot 61, 11 under at CCNC yesterday up in North Carolina, playing wow. in an outing. So, uh, first day out of the gates was pretty good. He was 10 under through 12. So, uh, we're looking forward to CJ Cup and just trying to find some momentum. You know, we're not like jumping out saying, hey, let's win. You want to win, but, man, let's just get some momentum going in the right direction. Yeah, get back to that competitive spirit and get back in the game. That's it, exactly. All right, Paul, we got to take a quick break. We'll be back with Paul Tesori, Webb Simpson's caddy, right after this on the Back Nine Boys Golf Show. Hey, this is Rick Riley, author of Commander and Cheat, and you're listening to the Back Nine Boys Golf Show. I'm on the Back Nine, actually. Hey, that's good. I'm glad we're all somewhere. That's uh, always great. We're on the phone with Paul Tesori, Webb Simpson's caddy. And uh, Paul, what's the schedule like? I know you're doing CJ Cup at Congaree next week. You got RSM, I know, coming up in November. What else are you going to do so far in this right now called the wraparound season? Yeah, we're just going to do one more. We're going to play Mexico as well, which we've only played okay. one time. Uh, but 
The golf course statistically is a good course for Weber. Driving accuracy is really important. Um, you know, it's kind of one of those weeks too. Everything's fairly easy once you get there. Um, meaning that you know the hotel's right on site, food's right on site. Um, get treated extremely well for the week. So we're going to pop over there, and I think that's two weeks before the RSM. So we'll yep. do CJ Cup, uh, Mexico, and then RSM, and you know call it quits for now. And then we're going to play three times on the West Coast, uh, which will be Sony, Phoenix, and then LA. Right. Gotcha. So you know that's as far as he's gotten right now. Um, you know Webb's got five kids, eleven and under. He wants to play a little bit less, but you know, when you're also trying to play at a high level, we've fallen outside the top hundred in the world, and you realize that you may have to have a little bit of a fluid schedule, meaning that adding one here or there, you know, even if that's not your perfect goal. So um, I think good golf will take care of that a little bit quicker, and then poor golf might, you know, force adding one or two. Is Ryder Cup on the uh, goals for next year? Is that something Webb would like to do, qualify, or at least be a, a, a pick? Yeah, I mean, definitively always. Webb's favorite thing in sports, and, you know, Jim Furyk told Webb this, I don't know, must have been 10 years ago now, but, he said, Weber, when your career is over and you're going to have whatever, double-digit wins, major championships, players' championships, he goes, all of your fondest memories are going to be the team events. Yeah, and gotcha. Webb already loved them. He loved his Walker Cup experience. He's done three President's Cups, three Ryder Cups. And, you know, so for Webb, he cherishes those moments yeah. so highly. Um, and, you know, even this past week, you know, being an assistant captain or a few weeks ago at the President's Cup, he really cherished kind of that moment because the hours were long. We were working 16-hour days, but um, it was a, a great experience. And I would think, you know, if he doesn't make it, there's a pretty strong chance I would think that he'd be on, you know, Captain Johnson's team as an assistant captain as well. But right. hopefully the golf kind of, you know, starts to get back to what we're used to. Um, I know it won't be from lack of effort. And if that's the case, he'd love to be on that team. All right. I was – you and I have always kind of got into this when we've talked, whether it's in person or whether it's here on the on the on the air. How important is faith on the PGA Tour? Yeah, I think for those of us, you know, that faith is such a huge component of their life. It's the most valuable thing that we bring. Uh, the road can be extremely lonely, yeah. um, and you know, when you're playing great, everybody's singing your accolades, and you need faith to kind of you know humble you and just remind yourself what you're here for. It's yeah. a platform. Uh, just to share, uh, you know, the good news of what we have been given in our lives. And, and the other aspect is, you know, when your things are not going well, it keeps you very even keel. Uh, it's a, it's an incredible little, uh, I bet there's probably 40 guys now that we have on tour that are all pretty close. They try to go to Bible studies whenever they're out on, ro- on the road. That's great. Um, having dinners together, having yeah. lunches together, um, spending time with families together. And, you know, so I, I know for Webb and I, it's the backbone of our relationship together. And, uh, it's it's something so valuable to be able to share together that uh, sometimes I think I probably take it for granted, but uh, there'll be a day probably when I'm not working for Webb anymore, and, and it'll remind me how important that is. Yeah, I got you there, and I will see you at the RSM on the Wednesday Pro-Am. Uh, don't know which course we're going to be on, but uh, I'm uh, working really hard to to be in your group. I love that. I'll, I'll make sure Webb has a hard hat just in case uh, <laughs> if anything slips out of you this year. See, you've got to bring it up again. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's too easy, Rich. Too easy. All right, man. You have a blessed day. Thanks for being with us. Yeah. yeah thanks for having me on. All right. Paul Tesori, Webb Simpson's caddy. And we want to thank you for being with us on the Back Nine Boys Golf Show. Thank you. We'll see you next week. You've been-